0: would open your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and we're going to be reading in verse 39. Our core kids are dismissed at this time. Amen. And if you are able to stand for the reading of God's word, we would appreciate that. Praise the Lord. Hebrews 11 and verse 39. It's a lot of kids. <laughs> fruitful, fruitful church. Y'all keep doing what you're doing. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> Hebrews 11 verse 39, when you got to say so. so. And it said, In all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Lord, thank you so much for your word. That is truth. Thank you so much for the revelation of your greatness and your power. And we just pray, Spirit of God, that you would speak through your word to our hearts today, Lord God. We pray that you would open our ears, that you would soften our hearts. We pray that we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of it, Lord God. Let us respond in faith to the truth that we will hear today. We pray this all in Jesus' good name, and everyone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. don't have an outline raise your hand and the ushers will get you an outline very important to us that you have an outline so you can follow along in the intro of the sermon also there are some questions in there for you Uh, To answer, not just during the time of the preaching, but also throughout the week. My hope is that you would utilize this to maybe meditate upon the scriptures. And then lastly, the reason why it's so important is so that way you can use this as a tool to help disciple someone else. We are a disciple-making church, and we should be committed to making disciples. And one of the ways that we can do that is simply by talking about what we're learning in the scriptures and then helping someone else grow in their faith. And so also, today we are on day 99 of our Bible reading challenge for those of you that are following along we started obviously the beginning of the year in the book of Genesis and we are in first Kings chapter 4 through 6 today so I hope that you are reading along my goal last week um, for this week was to get at least four videos out I got one and it was like 10 o'clock last night but praise the Lord better late than never amen um, so this week I'll try to get more than one out but I may not so nonetheless you keep reading your Bible amen I think that's what's important, right? That we are in the scriptures that you are there in the scriptures. I've been having a great time being reminded of things that haven't read for a long time. So it's been very encouraging for me. And like I told you last week, you know, this is the first time that I know for certain that I will finish my Bible reading challenge this year. Amen. Just because, you know, I drop off a lot of other times in my Bible reading challenges for myself. This is the last sermon in our Living Faith series and so we've come to the end of chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews. And so we're going to be wrapping this up. If you look at your outline here in the beginning of this series which is the first Sunday of this year my challenge was threefold I preached a message called significant faith that was the title of the message we went through verses 1 through 3 in chapter 11 and there were three things that I challenge you with the number one was to be changed the second one was to be the change and the third one was to bring the change and so that was my overall challenge for the year that you would walk by faith in this relationship with Jesus and that you, by that result of you being in his presence, that you would be changed. And then also that you would bring that change, right? That you would be the change wherever you go. And so what we realize is that change is only possible through a growing faith in a living God. Amen? You're not going to be changed by yourself. You're not going to be changed just because you want to, right? It's about living faith in a living glorious, wonderful God, and as you grow in that relationship with him, that is how we are changed, by being in his presence. And so we we establish that, and one of the things that we should all be doing, as we see in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, is seeking to receive that good testimony from the Lord of having a God-testifying faith, as all of the people in this chapter have had. And uh, I have there Hebrews 11, 6, and that's because that is our vision verse for our church. But without faith, it is impossible to please God, and those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and so the reason why we're here this morning is because for almost 15 years ago the lord was burdening my heart to step out and start a church and i wanted to please him and this was the scripture that he used to 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 provoke me in that area and so i did that and my hope and my prayer is that you if you're part of core faith church that your desire that your hunger is to please the lord in everything that you do and that should be the desire of all believers second paragraph there As we come to the end of this series, it is important that we realize that what faith does. And so, what does faith do? We know what faith is, right? It's a, it's a substance. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. But what does faith do? Faith draws us near to God. That's what it does. And it causes us to pursue Him, not just His promises, and as a result, walk with Him into the fulfillment of His will for our lives. And so when we have faith in God, what that does is it draws us near to him. It doesn't cause us to run from him. It causes us to run to him. And as we run to him, we're not just running to him because we want promises fulfilled. We're running to him because of what he has done for us. We want to know him. And as a result, we walk with him and fulfill his purposes in our lives. The last paragraph there, when we believe God, we take him at his word and walk with him through whatever he places before us. With faith in God, we can face sickness, loss of job, family difficulties, and uncertain futures. With faith in God, we can glorify our Father in daily living, find and follow His will for our lives, and receive His commendation of well done, good, and faithful servant. That's what faith will do for us. If we are walking by faith, the faith that we see enumerated in here and communicated to us, the, the faith that we see that God has inspired this writer to talk about, that kind of faith, that that's what it will do for us, we'll be able to walk with him. And the, and the end of the, the end of this all is that we all should desire, if you're a believer in here today, you should desire above everything else at the end of your days to hear, to hear well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we should all be striving for, right? We should all be striving. And this is well done, good and faithful servant. Notice this is talking about our service. It's connected with us standing before the judgment seat, but it's talking about our service unto the Lord. And so that's what living our faith is. And so God testifying faith, this is the big idea. God testifying faith is to be the goal of all believers. And where do we get this God testifying faith from? I'm going to talk about that in one moment. Repeat this after me. Say, God testifying faith is found... In placement, not procurement. In placement, not procurement. And so what we find here, you look at this verse in verse 39, look what it says here. It said all these, say all these. Having obtained a good testimony, that's where we get the idea of this uh, of, the, of the, 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 the good testimony that was given, that God is communicating something about these particular people, that he's saying something about them. What that word means is the same word that was there in the beginning in chapter, in, in verse 2, where it says, the elders obtained a good testimony. If you remember that, we talked about the elders who are being spoken about in, the, in this particular passage of Scripture. They obtained a good testimony. In other words, they were spoken of. But it wasn't that they were just spoken of. It wasn't just that people thought they were great. It wasn't just that people were saying, uh, you know, all the good things about them. It was that God bore witness of them. Are you here? That's what this means. It means that they were bore witness of. And who was bearing witness? Well, the inspirer, the one who inspired these scriptures is the one who was bearing witness to the faith of all of these people within these chapters. But notice what it goes on to say. It says, And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Their faith wasn't boasted about because they received the ultimate fulfillment of God's promise. Their faith was boasted about, and God is the one doing the boasting because they believed him. It was about placement of their faith, not the procurement of everything that they wanted or everything that they thought they were going to receive. And why does this matter so much? Because they were testified by God. What we learn, look back at verse 13. Look what verse 13 says. It confirms what we're reading here. It says, Then all died, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the the earth. And so what does this tell us? It tells us that these people didn't get everything that they wanted. We learned last week in the, in the sermon last week, remember, there were two groups of people. There was one group that all of us want to be part of, right? There's one group. We all want to be part of that group with David and slaying the giants. Hey, Amen. I want to slay the giants, right? We all want to be part of, you know, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego guy. Hey, man, we got out of the fire. We all want to be part of Daniel and the lion's den. We don't necessarily want to face the lion, but you know what? If we, if we have to, we want to make sure that we made it all night. Hello, somebody, right? Like, those are the people that we want to be. We don't want to be the other list of people that are there that were told. We don't want to be tortured. Hello. We don't want to be sawn in half. That's what the scripture says. We don't want to go through those things. But both of these groups, whether it's the group you want to be part of or the group you don't want to be part of, the Bible testifies of them having the equal faith that bore witness, good testimony about them. God says that, that, that they are a people that we can look at, a people that we can admire. And so again, it is about placement, not about procurement. And here's the here, here's the thing. Sadly, due to our results-oriented culture, many people's faith is minimized because they don't see it actualize in the present. Are you here? You know, you see somebody who is praying to God for this or praying to God for that or believing God for this or believing God for that, and you don't see that thing come to pass. And all of a sudden, oh, man, that person must not really have faith. I told you about the one preacher. He was a well, what they called an apostle of faith. This is a man. I mean, he's, he's a preacher of faith. You know, many healing crusades. God used them greatly. I told you about him. And his daughter was deaf in one ear or something like that, and she used to walk around with a horn. And he would say in his crusades with his daughter sitting right on the stage, oh, she just doesn't have faith enough to be healed rough. It's rough, right? But that, but that was the type of faith that he had. But at the end of the day, is it that she didn't have that faith or was it that God said no? Is it, and I asked this question last week. I'll ask it again because there's new face in the building. Is it okay for God to say no? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, right? He can say no. And so again, it's about where our faith is placed Not about everything that we get because we know that we may not get every single thing that we want. We may not get all of the answers that we want. We may not get everything the way that we are intending and hoping for it to happen. The reality is we have to place our faith in him. You see, because God is the one who answers yea or nay about bringing his word or his will to pass in our lives. It's him. Our faith is a conduit like a branch is to the fruit. Can I ask you this? What does the branch do on the tree to bring the fruit about? Nothing. Nothing. The branch just hangs there. That's all it does. There's, there, there's a root that's, that's going on. There's the vine that's going on. And there's something happening, and the branch is just sitting there. It's just there. It's not, it's not working. It's not, you know, it doesn't wake up every morning sweating, like, okay, we got to get this fruit out. Right? That is not what the branch does. And what does the Bible say about us? Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. That's what he said. And so it's not me that bears the fruit. It's not me that brings the fruit to pass. It is God who does that. It's the same thing with his will in our lives. It is him who says yes. It is him who says no. It is him who brings it about. What are we responsible for? We're responsible to be there. Hello. We're responsible to be faithful with what we know. I will say this, and I want you to think about this it takes more faith to endure than it does to escape. See, we all want to escape. But it takes more faith to endure something than it takes for us to escape. Because you know what? I can, if, if, I, if I'm battling with something in my life and God delivers me from it like that, look, it may have taken some faith to get there. But if God says, you know what, son, I'm going to walk with you for the next three years through this trial, which one took more faith? And we were talking about this in first service. And uh, when we were praying before first service, and as we, were, as we were praying together, Lizelle brought up, she said that she got a post on her CNN, uh, a little a thing from CNN saying that there was two churches that were bombed in Egypt. And all these people died. And can I ask you a question? Let me ask you this. Who did it take more faith from to go to church today, you or them? How many of y'all thought, man, I might get blown up today when I go to church? I mean, just be real about it. Maybe like three of you might have thought about that, but the rest of you, I mean, I'm saying ser- seriously, like three people thought, like maybe something could go wrong today, right? Like the security team is like, you know, thinking about stuff, you know. But most of us were not even thinking there's a potential that Core Faith Church is going to get blown up this morning. How are you all nervous right? Like, oh my goodness, this could happen. It could. I'm just saying. And hopefully you're saved, okay? But here's the thing: the 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 reality is, for us, what our faith took what took us to get up. Some of y'all were whining and crying, didn't want to get up today. Hello. Hit the snooze button a hundred times. That's why you came to second service anyway. But, you know, you plan to go to first service, couldn't make. But here's the thing. These people in Egypt and around the world, I mean, they don't know. I mean, this is like, I mean, it's, it's a different scenario, right? I'm not saying, again, you know, if you, if you were next to a church, you know, that that happened at, it would be the same way. The point is it takes more faith for you to endure something and to walk with something because you know what that means? That means your faith has to be beyond the thing you're waiting for into the one you're waiting on. That's the difference. So our faith should be firmly placed in God Almighty, not in the things that we may or may not receive from him, but we must believe his word. Are you here? You get that? You must believe what his word says. He makes his will known to us in his word. And so we live our lives believing, trusting, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Believing and trusting. Listen, God can deliver us. If he does, great. If he doesn't, it doesn't matter. He's still worthy of glory. Second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is to say, God testifying faith faith has a greater greater impact than we realize. Look at the first part of verse 40. It says, God having provided something better for us, say for us. God having provided something better for us. Now, let me just give you a recap. When we're looking at the book of Hebrews, they're not sure who the writer of the book of Hebrews is. Some people believe it was the apostle Paul, but he doesn't make himself clearly known. The writer never makes himself clearly known. Some people thought it could have been Apollos. Some people thought other people. The bottom line is we don't know who wrote it. We are very clear on who he was writing it to. We are very clear on the doctrines that are being examined and the things that are being exposed as we're walking through this. And so what is he saying throughout Hebrews the whole time? He's talking about better promises. He's talking about the new covenant. He's talking about the superiority of Christ over the law. He's talking about the necessity of faith as the Hebrew believers struggled to live by faith alone. That's the reason why this book was written. Because these Hebrew believers believed in Jesus, but they were struggling to just believe in Jesus apart from their works. You get that? There was this thing in the Reformation called solo fidei. And what it was, it was solo faith. And the whole thing was, in looking at the Catholic church and everything that was going on at that time, there was, there was Jesus plus works. You had to do all of these works to make sure you were getting into heaven. And the Reformers came up with this term, one of the term, one of the five, and it was sola fide, and sola faith, so only faith, faith alone, right, is what they were saying. And this is what they were struggling with. And can I tell you something? There's a reason why hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years after the book of Hebrew was written, that someone had to come out, the Reformers had to come out with that term, sola you know why? Because we're all the same way. We all want to try to prove ourselves to God. We all, when we talk about pleasing God, that's different than proving yourself to God. Are you here? There's a difference between living to please him and proving something to him. See, my child doesn't have to prove themselves to me. All they have to do is live for the glory and honor of God. That's what they need to do. They need to live to be pleasing to me. That's what what needs to happen, right? That's what our kids are supposed to be doing. They grow up and they wanna please their parents. They wanna do the right things, hopefully, hello, right? And for us as believers, when we come to faith in Christ, we are not trying to prove ourselves to God. We shouldn't be anyway. But some of us, and listen, I can talk about myself. I know for me, and many times, especially as a younger Christian, I was proving myself to God. I was showing God how faithful I was. I was showing God. And I I remember, you know, thinking back, you know, I I used to love to, you know, I don't don't love this at all. But, you know, I used to love, I I was like fasting all the time. I was like, man, I got to fast. It isn't because I like to fast. I just thought it was like really holy to fast. And I was proving to God my sanctification and my holiness, you know. And then there, there came a point in my walk where I would go to start fasting sometimes. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to do a three-day fast here. And then I would get to like day one and a half. And I'm like, God, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this here. I don't know. And, and I started feeling really condemned and, you know, overwhelmed and all of these types of things. And ultimately, God wasn't looking for me to be fasting or anything like that. He's looking for me to walk by faith in him. That's what he's looking for. It doesn't mean that I don't come through with my commitments to him. Ultimately, it's about me living for his glory. See, here's the thing I want you to get. Nowhere was what was the writer of this book trying to condemn the righteous works. What he was condemning was you thinking your righteous works earns you righteousness before God. That's what he was saying, because the Hebrews were stuck between faith in Christ and obeying the law and making sacrifices. There was still the sacrificial system that was going around at that time. If you read through there, you'll see they were still killing animals. They were still doing all of these different things. And what the writer was trying to communicate is, listen, there is something better here. And so the whole purpose of Hebrews 11 is to show what? He's showing them that even before the law, people were justified by faith. Are you here? That's what this was all about. It was about him it was about him showing them. Listen, Abraham, he wasn't he wasn't obeying the law and that isn't why he was great. He was great because he was a man of faith. Moses didn't have the law, and he did what? He obeyed God. He was a man of faith. Obviously, he got the law later on. And so these people of faith, it wasn't because of their perfection. It was because they put their faith in God. That's what it was about, showing them there was something better. But even in that, listen, what I want you to realize is that they didn't receive the promises according to the Scripture. They didn't receive the fulfillment of the promises the way that they were looking. They were looking forward to Jesus coming. That's what they were doing. And they didn't receive that promise. But it tells us that God having provided, verse 40 there in the top, God having provided something better for us. And so our faith in God, when we're looking at what he's communicating here, is that this better for us is Jesus. This better for us is Jesus. And, and he's, he's communicating and letting us know that what happens is they were looking forward and we look backward. They were looking forward to Jesus coming. They were, they were looking forward to them. I'm going to talk about them not being complete yet. But they were looking forward to Jesus coming. And we look back toward what Jesus has already done on the cross. And so it's about us walking in this faith. And here's what I want you to think about for a moment. If our forefathers, beginning with Abraham, had been unfaithful and disobedient to the revelation of God, you and I wouldn't be here today. Are you here? These people are written down as people who were faithful. Now listen, you can, we can argue. Well, you know, God is sovereign, amen. Someone say amen to that. He's going to bring about his, his plans. Someone say amen to that. But what I'm going to tell you this is that these people here are the ones that God used in order to bring us here today. Are you here? These are the people that are there. And so I would tell you this, either we wouldn't be here or there would be a different list. Because What? They had to be faithful. We talked about this guy last week, Leonard Ravenhill, right? Leonard Ravenhill, I'll talk to you about it. I won't repeat the story, about his dad praying. Just, I mean, a mighty man of God, influenced by his father, who wasn't his big preacher, wasn't this big great guy. He was, his dad was, was, was a regular working class guy who simply had a relationship with God. Tears would come down his face when the guy would come into prayer. And this is the reason why Leonard Ravenhill served the Lord so passionately these years later. But here's what the point is. God testifying faith has a greater impact than we realize. These people didn't realize that our faith was going to be affected by them. They were simply putting their faith in God. So here's what I want you to realize about this guy. This guy, Leonard Ravenhill, how it has impacted so many other people. There's another guy, Paul Washer, one of the greatest evangelists of our time. Mighty man of God, a preacher of truth. And you want to know what? He was mentored by Leonard Ravenhill. Isn't that amazing? So I want you to think about this. Leonard Ravenhill's dad, who wasn't thinking about anyone else, about Jesus alone, put his faith in God, walked with God, influenced his son. His his son is is, is discipled and developed. So many other people. This other guy that, that I just told you about, Paul Washer, has influenced, travels around the world, missionary, ministering all over the place. These people's faith had a far greater impact than anyone that you can imagine. Do you not think that that's amazing and it's something that God can do with us? Listen, you may think oh I'm not I'm irrelevant. You are relevant. Your listen, your 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 prayer, your faith, your life is relevant. You don't have to be a preacher up on a pulpit. You just need to be a person of faith who lives for the glory and honor of God. And God can use you in order to do what? To impact generations for generations and you don't even know them. You've never preached to them. You never said a word. And it's simply because that is the way that God will use our faith for his glory and honor. See, because our name may not be written down in this book, but our name is written down in another book. Hello. Right. Uh, and, 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 and here's the thing. God still, you know, by faith, you know, he's still doing things. Remember that video there? It's not just something that you put on every week. God is still testifying about those who put their faith in him. Do you think not? He is still communicating about those whose faith is in him. And listen, it's not because someone is boasting about them. God is doing it all on his own. Hello. It's got to be our heart. We have to understand that. And so the third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, God testifying faith is communal, not individualistic. God testifying faith is communal, not individualistic. Look at what it says here in verse 40, the second part. It says that they should not be made perfect apart from us. That they should not be made perfect apart from us. And so here's the thing that I want you to realize. I read, I read a book a while back. It was called Restoring the Jewishness to the Gospel. I don't know how many of you know this, but Jesus was Jewish. Amen. We are Judeo-Christians, right, for a reason, because our roots are in Judaism. Amen, right? So here's the thing, in restoring the Jewishness to the gospel, and I I, I don't know about you guys, but when I read a book, um, typically, you know, depending on how good the book is, I may take one, you know, nugget of truth that came out of it, or I may take a few. But out of this book, the one thing that I remember that struck me the most was this one statement in one of the chapters, and it was the reason why many Jewish people reject our presentation of the gospel, ours meaning our Western culture mindset. And it is because the Jewish people are not looking for a personal Savior. They are looking for a national Savior. Are you hearing me? They're not just looking for someone to save them and take them to heaven. They're looking for someone, this Messiah that was prophesied about. And the way you know this is when you go back to the the, the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and you see the beginning story, what were they waiting on? They were waiting on this Messiah, this king that was going to come and do what? Restore the kingdom to Israel. At the end, you look at the book of Acts, you look at the end of Luke, and what were they saying? Okay, will you now restore the kingdom? Why were they talking about this? Because this Messiah is a national Messiah can I tell you something one of the biggest lies that we have bought into in our culture and our Western mindset is that my salvation my faith it's all about me it's all about my, my blessing it's all about what I get that's a big thing that's a problem wait a second wait what do you mean oh yeah for sure individual faith matters absolutely that matters but what I want you to realize is that we have to think beyond our individual selves and we have to think about the community of believers are you here this is what should be happening. We should be thinking because we are not a chosen person, we are a chosen people, a chosen generation. We, we're talking about a group, right? So this is what we're talking about. It's not just a, a person, right? It is the elect of God. That's who we are. Amen, somebody? the elect. It's talk- plural. The word is plural. It's talking about a group of people that are the elect of God. And so we have to realize this, that this is the way that God is communicating, and we have to have the right mindset. But how can I prove this? Well, let me just give you a couple of places where you can reference. The first one is, if you look at Genesis, you do not have to turn there right now, but if you look at Genesis chapter 12, think about this for a moment. Genesis chapter 12 is a conversation in the beginning when God is calling Abraham to do what? To leave his father's house. And when he has the conversation with him, he tells me, leave his, Father, house, go to a place that you that I'm going to show you, and then he tells him what he tells him, and I will bless you. And he doesn't stop there. He says, and you will be a blessing, right? Is that not what he said? I will bless you for what? So you can just walk around blessed. So you can walk around blessed and highly favored. Hello, that's Abraham. That's what I'm going to do for you. No, 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 I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. He ends the exhortation or the call to serve him with saying, "What through you, through you, right?" All the nations of the world are going to be blessed. So So the first time that we see this communication of this blessing, the first thing that God points out, it's not about you. Okay, let's fast forward. Let's go to the New Testament. We'll move on there. We look at the New Testament. You look at Acts chapter 2. You write this down again. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 39. The apostle Peter, he is preaching. He is ministering. And all of a sudden, these people have this great conviction. And when they have this great conviction, they ask him, what must we do? And he tells them to call upon the name of the Lord, to repent of their sin, and they shall be be saved. He tells them, because the promise, right, the promise is unto you and unto your children and unto all of those whom the Lord will call. That's what he tells them. It's not about them. It's generational. It's something that is bigger than them. Well, you fast forward a little bit more in the book of Acts. You look at Acts chapter 11, verse 14. It is the apostle Peter. And the reason I want to point out apostle is because this is not some Joe Schmo that is just talking, okay? This is not some book that I'm getting this information out of. This is the book that communicates us the way that our God thinks, what he says there is in his recap, the apostle Peter gives a recap of what the Lord communicates to Cornelius, who is a Gentile, not a person who was part of the covenant people of God. And he goes and when he's given the recap, he talks about salvation being to who? Being to him and his household, him and his family. And then you fast forward a little bit further. You go to Acts chapter 16. You remember the story? It is a guy, it is Paul and Silas are in prison. And when they are in prison, they're doing what? They are there worshiping, praising God. All of a sudden, the chains break, the doors fly wide open, and the jailer comes in to kill himself. And what does the apostle Paul say? He says, Don't kill yourself. We're all here. And then the guy comes in there and says, What must I do to be saved? And for some reason, the Apostle Paul doesn't say, Pray this prayer and you will be saved. But he says, What? He says, You will be saved and your household. Oh, come on, somebody. This is something that that we as people of God should be able to believe God for household salvation. Are you here? We should should come to God and say, God, this is the way that you declare these things in your word. It's not that I'm trying to name it, claim it. I'm claiming what the Bible says. The Bible talks about this, not me. This is apostle. The jailer didn't say, hey, what can we do about my family? That isn't the question. He didn't ask him that. The apostle came out and communicated this. Because what? The same way that he says this here in this scripture. He says that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Here is the beautiful picture. The beautiful picture is that all the saints of old before the cross and all the saints of of this time now are all going to come together one glorious day and worship almighty God. And at that time, we will all be perfected. Are you here? That's the beauty of this. And so our hearts should be for those who don't know Christ, for sure. Let me give you a couple of takeaway points here. And before I give you those, I want you to know this, is that the patriarch's faith was incomplete. It was not defective. Are you here? The fact that they were not made perfect does not mean that they didn't have the right kind of faith or else they wouldn't have been mentioned in this chapter here. Because this chapter here is talking about faith, not perfect faith, imperfect faith. Every one of us has an imperfect faith. Are you here? Everyone, every one of us has an imperfect faith. God is not looking for perfect faith. If he was, he would have stopped looking a long time ago. Hello. Seriously, there's one perfect one. That's Jesus, and that's it. He is the perfect one. He is the only one whose faith never wavered. He's the only one who never shuddered, who never stopped. He is the only one who had the faith that we could say, that's perfect faith. But these people had remarkable faith for sure. These people had mentionable faith. These people had enough faith that God could brag about them, that they put their faith in him, not just in the things that they could get from him. And so what should we do? And here's what we need to realize. The promised one has come and will return. And what should our efforts be as we look at this, as we close this series out? It is that our faith should be growing in Christ. That's the first thing that you should take away, is that your faith must be growing in Christ. That is individual that is you and Jesus, that is you spending time with the Lord, that is you being in prayer, that is you being in the Word, that is you memorizing and meditating on Scripture, that is you you becoming the person of God that you're called to be. That's you. That's what should be happening. But then the second thing that should be happening is you should be sharing your faith with every non-believer that you can. The first thing is that you need, to be, you need to be growing in your faith. But the second thing is that you are sharing that faith, that faith that you're growing in, that faith that is becoming overwhelming, that understanding of the gospel of what Jesus has done for you, that you were separated from him from birth because of your sin, that, you, that, that he died for you in your place so you could have a relationship with him. Growing in that faith and that understanding of what God says and who God says you are, growing in that faith. You should want to share that with those who don't know Jesus. You should want to share that with those who don't know the Lord because they are hopeless. Listen to me. No matter what they have, they're hopeless. No matter how it looks, they're hopeless. You know, people, people look, look real good on the exterior, but people are dying. Even sitting in this place today, some people, you put on your Sunday best and you look like everything is all good. You got a smile from ear to ear, but you know what? You're broken inside. And God knows that. And you want to know what the hope is? The hope is The gospel. The hope is, listen, for believer and non-believer alike, the hope is the gospel because the gospel reconciles us to God. The gospel takes our pain. The gospel takes our judgment. The gospel takes all of that and gives us real hope. That's why it becomes so important. It's not because I'm great. Listen, because I don't deserve God's grace. I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve God's word. Listen, even on my best day, I haven't arrived. And on my worst day, surely not. Hello. But this is the beauty of that gospel. And then the third thing that we should be doing, so number one, we should be growing in our faith. We should be growing in our relationship with Christ. The second thing is because because of that, we should be sharing with others. And the third thing is that we should be making sure that we are helping other believers grow in their faith. We should be part of that. Listen, everybody in this place at a different place. Some of you, you've been a Christian for three minutes. Hello, somebody. Some of you have been a Christian for three months. Some of you have been a Christian for three years. Some of you have been a Christian for 30 years. I don't know. And can I tell you something? Every one of you has something to offer everyone else. Are you here? For you that have been a Christian for three minutes, you have something to offer. Don't think you don't. For you that have been a Christian for 30 years, you have something to offer for sure. Don't Listen, it should be that way for all of us, that we should say, man, what can I do to help my brothers grow in their faith? What can I do to help my sisters grow in their faith? What can I do to help my family grow in their faith? Because that is the kind of faith that is a God mentioning or a, a God that, that God is going to talk about, that kind of faith, that kind of faith. The kind of faith, that God testifying faith. And so my question is this, and it's real simple. Are you living a God-testifying faith? That's my closing question. Are you living a God-testifying faith? Listen, I want you to know that this is a question that can be answered. This is not, this is not some um, rhetorical question. This is not some, like, you know, subjective question. This is an objective question. What do you mean? We're going to stand before his, before his judgment, for sure. Every one of us. And this is what God tells us in, in, in the scriptures that we read in, during, during our communion time. It says this. It says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. This is what it says. Read the scripture. Don't just, you know, fall asleep when Pastor Chad's reading it or one of us is reading it. You know, that, that's what people do. They're like, oh, I've heard this every week. I don't care if you heard it every week. Listen. Pay attention, right? Pay attention. Go home, read it yourself. Meditate on it. Prepare your heart for communion before you even come here. I'm just saying. But here's the thing. It says, if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. In other words, we should be able to judge ourselves because what? Because we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And you know what? I'm going to tell you like this. You and I should not stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be shocked. Oh, it says there's going to be plenty that are going to be shocked, and it's because they weren't here in this sermon today. Are you here? But for everyone in this room, you should not be shocked. You should know, hey, you know what? I've lived out of faith. I've lived from the glory that, that I've experienced from God. I am living for his glory. That's how I'm living. See, because I can measure my life. Man, am I living, first of all, I'm not trying to prove myself to God. I already know that I am am his child, that he loves me, that we are in a relationship. I already get all of that, right? I know that. I'm not trying to earn any of that stuff. So you should know that. But on the other side of it, when I say, are you living that, that, that life that God can testify about? Are you obeying what you know in the scriptures to obey? See, that's the question. Well done, not well believed. Are you here? Well done, good and faithful servant. A servant does what the master requires. And so we can measure ourselves. And, it's, and again, I want to say this one more time before I close in prayer. I am not talking about you earning your salvation. That was done on the cross. Your faith has to be in Jesus. But what I want you to know is that Jesus, because those words that I'm quoting, well done, good and faithful servant, those are already paired up with those are paired up with some other words and those letters are in red because Jesus was speaking and he says, many will come unto me in that day and will say, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do great works in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And he will say to them, part from me, I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. Here's what I want you to understand is that salvation is secured in Christ for sure but you cannot disconnect works from your salvation are you here god doesn't do it because here's the thing i'm gonna live that's called fruit the fruit of my life is the works that i do not by my ability by his ability are you here not earning my salvation jesus did that but i'm gonna give an account for the life that i live i'm gonna you're gonna give an account for the life that you live and if you're saying you know i was talking to someone about you know security and salvation listen anyone living in sin you shouldn't be securing your salvation oh y'all can't say amen to that Understand this. If you are in this place today and you are living in sin, you should not be like, yeah, me and Jesus are cool. You're not cool. You're not okay with Jesus. Well, you know, I prayed a prayer. I don't care how many prayers you prayed. Well, I cried. I don't care how much you cried. Well, I, wor- I don't care how much you worship. You ain't really worshiping because you're, any anyway, listen. You should not feel secure if you are living a life of sin. God gives us commandments in his word. He tells us what and how we're supposed to live. And so how do I know when I come before him that I'm gonna hear well done, good and faithful servant? Well, here's how I know this, because because of this thing, because I know my faith is in Jesus, it is not in Jason at all. I don't trust myself for for my salvation, it is in him. But what I do know is that I live, and 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 I'm saying this with all sincerity, not perfectly, but I live for his glory and for his honor. And how do I do that? It's not in words. It's because I know what his word requires of me. You know what his word requires of you? Because if you're not living this word, then you're not living a life that is well-pleasing to him. But if you're living what he says, that is pleasing to him. So I'll stand on our feet and let's pray together. As you bow your heads and you close your eyes, I want you to think for a moment. First and and foremost, I'm going to ask you a question. You heard some hard words today. Jesus died for those sins that we commit against him for sure. But we can't play with God. That's a reality. And so if you're in this place today and you know, if you died right now, you would spend eternity in hell. God calls you in his word to put your faith in him, to trust him, to trust Jesus alone. Not your works. You're never gonna clean yourself up. You're never gonna make yourself right. It is, it is His grace alone. And so if you're in this place and you are not walking with Jesus, today I wanna call you to put your faith in Him. Trust Him today. Call upon Him today. Believe that He is God the Son, that He came in the flesh, that He lived the perfect life, that He died in your place. That he rose again for your justification and that if you put your faith in him today, today, you don't have to walk in fear of being judged by God anymore. I'm not going to give you a formula to pray. I'm going to simply tell you, call on him. Ask him to forgive you. If you're in this place and you are a believer and you are walking with Jesus but you know that you're not living in obedience with the scriptures, you're not enduring in the truth like you should. His grace is extended to you. Call upon Him. And if you're a believer in this place and maybe you're just struggling to trust Him, maybe you're just struggling to believe Him, maybe you're going through some really difficult times, there's grace that is sufficient as well. His grace is enough. I'm just going to ask you to grab your neighbor's hand and let's pray together. I want you to be that point of contact for that person. As I pray in general, I want you to pray for that person beside you. Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and I thank you for each person in this place today. And I pray, Spirit of God, that you would draw the hearts of my brothers and my sisters unto you in a deeper way. I pray for those, Lord God, believers that are struggling, Lord God, in their faith, that are struggling to trust you, Lord God, that are struggling to serve you, Lord God, that are struggling in this battle, Lord. I just pray that you would give them the victory today, Lord God, over that struggle, that you would give them the grace that they need, Lord God, to overcome that battle before them, Lord. Father God, I pray for those believers, Lord God, that, uh, that they just know today, Lord God, that they're not serving you as they are, Lord God. They're not, they're not obeying your word as they are, Lord God, I pray that you would give them the assurance of your forgiveness that as they confess their sin to you, that they would be assured that you are faithful and just to forgive their sins and cleanse them of all unrighteousness, Lord God. Fill them with that assurance, that peace, Lord God, that, that they would know, Lord, that you are there, that you're not giving them a pass, that you're giving them forgiveness, God, that you're giving them the strength today to walk in obedience to the truth of your word, my God. And Father, I pray for those in here that may not know you today, Lord God. Those that are living in sin. Maybe those that thought they knew you before they walked in. But Lord God, realize that they, that they are living in rebellion and disobedience to you today. Spirit of God, draw them, Lord God. Father, draw them. Jesus, we lift you up today. Draw them unto you, Lord God. Father, bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon them. But grant them repentance today, Lord God. That they would turn from their sin unto you. lord god that they would recognize that your grace is sufficient god father do what only you can do in the lives of each person in this place fill us with your grace fill us with your power lord god we thank you for this lord Jesus' great name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise. And so you can be seated.